0: You are in the perfect place at the divine time to be touched by a horse. Here's your hosts, Melissa Pierce and Dane Cheek.
1: Well, hey, everybody. This is Melissa. Hi, this is Dane.
2: Good to hear you again. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah.
1: exactly. We're having fun doing this together. And it's bringing a lot of memories, I think, for me of when we first got together almost 18 years ago.
2: Yeah, it's it's been a great ride for sure.
1: We happen to be taping this podcast on Valentine's Day. It won't play on Valentine's Day, but we're taping it on Valentine's. And I think full of a lot of gratitude that we met and we actually met on an airplane. I was flying to New York to speak at the Javits Center. And you were flying to North
2: Carolina? Yeah, North Carolina to see my father with my son with us at the time.
1: Yeah, and he was sitting in the window seat, Kevin, and he was uh, 10 and a half, 11 years old, and just sitting there looking out the window. And I got bumped, remember, from the seventh row back to the row the two of you were sitting in because the airline attendant said that my seat had been double booked. And I was actually there with a couple of employees, and they were bummed that I was like, sure, I'll move back. But <laughs> I moved back, and it was my lucky day because it was right next to you and yeah, to Kevin. And, and
2: luckily, the seat next to me wasn't booked. So. Yeah, <laughs>
1: So then we, we, <laughs> she,
2: she pulls up, puts a stack of books in my lap. Well, I look at my son well. saying, What's going on? <laughs>
1: I was carrying, they moved me. I was already all settled in my seat and I was going to do some work. And so you're right. I did. I moved back to the 22nd row aisle seat, which is not my jam. And I said, here, would you mind holding this for me? And I just dumped all this stuff in his lap. And then we literally did this close to three hour flight and I didn't get any work done. And we laughed and just had the best time and the the best connection, best connection together. So if you ever see me in person or you see Dane in person, ask us for the backstory to that. Cause it's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> we'll leave it at that for a podcast. So gosh, I also know that once we started dating, which it was a few weeks later because of my amount of traveling that I was doing, but gosh, we spent a lot of time on the phone together. Neither of us were looking for somebody. No, you no.
2: We had pretty much been done with that part.
1: Yeah. Raising our kids and, and single, and we weren't looking for anybody. And I don't know. For me, I knew when the flight was landing that I
2: wanted to see you again. Oh, and I did the same thing. I looked at my son and I said, there's something different about this woman that I really like. <laughs>
1: At least he didn't say odd, right? So yeah, and I told the people that I was traveling with for work, I said, I just met this really unusual guy, and I feel really attracted to him. So about six weeks later, we actually got it off the ground dating, and here we are almost 18 years later. March 29th was that flight date, so we'll have another another date to celebrate. So happy Valentine's to you, baby.
2: Yeah, happy Valentine's to you as well. Thank
1: you. Thanks for doing the podcast
2: with me. Well, when we first got together, you had just completed your card deck.
1: Yeah, well, it was a lot of work. So Whispers from a Horse's Heart, I think it's, you know, to this date, it's still the most meaningful representation, I think, of me and my belief of horses and my love of horses and that whole part of our life. It's 52 cards, and it was an incredible process. Actually, before I met you, being single and being alone, I was really looking for a card deck where I could draw a message from a horse every day. And I thought there had to be one out there because I felt really drawn to that. And then I realized that actually I thought I had a calling or that Spirit was calling me to create the deck, which is a whole nother journey. And took me about a year to do all of it. I met fascinating people through it. The artist was my dear friend, Jan Taylor, who is on the other side of the veil today, but just a tremendous eclectic equine artist. And she kept her horses on my Arizona ranch. So her two horses were there and we'd known each other for years. When I moved up to Colorado, she moved up here. Then she moved back to Arizona, put her horses back on our Arizona facility and just a tremendously talented artist. And I took up the spiritual writing of the deck and and created the deck as much for my own use and Jan's use as anybody's. And now we're going to our second reprint and it is sold in so many countries around the world. And it is that. Fortune cookie, kind of from a horse every day, that positive message. And I know people that leave it by their bedside or keep it on their dining table and have people read a card before they have dinner and lots of really sweet ways for that deck, for that deck to go out in the world. So that's one. And then What we were talking about before this recording was at that time in our relationship and at that time in my life, I knew that I had a book, I've now written several books, but I had a book that came to me in a dream and not the whole book, obviously, I wish it did, but really the premise of the book dropped into me in a dream. I can remember sleeping alone, feeling alone, I had finished the deck, I was looking at my life, at the wisdom of some of the things horses had taught me and that I had learned in life as a therapist and a coach, and the story of this little girl who's 12 years old going into the world of horses to help them find their callings. And of course, in the dream, like dreams are always kind of different, right? So in the dream, I know it was for me to find my calling and find my life purpose. But for me, that was such a big piece to kind of take out that we wanted to do. So I began writing the story down and I called, I don't know if I've ever shared this with you, Dane, but I called Jan Taylor and I said, I had this dream and it doesn't feel like just any dream. It feels bigger to me. And I have a visual of the being in the dream and of the horse in the dream. And I want to know if you'd paint it for me. And she agreed to do so. And so I described this beautiful fairy aboard this horse that had sort of colors in it. Every time it moved, it was a different color. It was lavender and it was pink. And like every time its coat was seen in a different light, it looked a different color and a powerful horse and a powerful image. And she painted that for me. And it became, of course, the cover of my book.
2: Right, yeah. I see the painting here as we speak. Yeah,
1: Yeah. the painting's hanging in my private office, and I love it. It's one of my muses, I think, in my life. And so, yeah, this whole book was my coming to the truth of my own life purpose, I believe. So, and of course, I dedicated it to you because you were my boyfriend at the time.
2: How lucky is that?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Have you read it? I have. Okay, good. Yeah. (laughs) Just checking. (laughs) Just checking. You're not a big book reader. You read magazines and stuff on your iPad and stuff, but not a book reading person, but it's just the magical story about stepping into your calling and into your life purpose.
2: Yeah. I remember when we first got together, you wanted to start writing the book Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh, we just spent a very long weekend together away where you could seek solace and try to channel the book.
1: Oh yeah. It was when I got kind of stuck. I was about three quarters of the way through and I wanted to finish it. And I said to you, I I feel like I stop, start, stop, start because there's so much to do here on the ranch. And you had the brilliant idea of like, well, let's go away somewhere where you can get away from it all and really focus, you know, and see what that would do. And and so we did. I don't remember the name of that little town we went to.
2: Yeah, it was actually uh, Cripple Creek in That's Colorado.
1: Right. That's right. A little gambling town, old 1800s gambling town. Yeah. It was fun. And got a and b there. And I don't know what you did during the day while I was writing, but I imagine you had fun in that little town gambling or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're I not had, a big gambler. I had
2: a couple beers here and there. <laughs> yeah. There you go. And I'm sure you were writing the book as you were sitting in the jacuzzi in the room. Oh,
1: it did have a nice jacuzzi inside the hotel room. It was pretty sweet, a little private jacuzzi. And actually,
2: I did not. I wrote all day,
1: all day, all day, every day, and enjoyed that jacuzzi with you, my new boyfriend. Yeah. So that was pretty fun. It was pretty fun. So thinking about this book, you know, for me, a lot of my certified practitioners, my graduates tell me that they reread the book after they're certified and they feel like my entire heart and my purpose and my program and everything I stand for is actually in this book, even though it's a sweet parable about the goddess Epona selecting this young girl to go into the realm of horses and help them find their life purpose, help the horse find their life's calling.
0: Touched by a Horse offers three comprehensive programs giving you the ability to have the career you've always dreamed about, working in partnership with the Magic of Horses. Our Equine Facilitator Program provides you with the skills to build a thriving business, hosting group experiences with horses,
1: I think a lot of our clients are looking for, and maybe some of our listeners in the podcast are as well looking for, you know, how do you find that? How do you find your life purpose or your mission in life? And for me, I feel super blessed that I every day I live my life purpose and I live my mission. You've probably heard me say that. Oh, yeah.
2: You definitely live your life the way that you want it to be and to serve the people that you feel need to hear your message. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. I don't know. I've never met anybody that didn't want to find their purpose for being here or their mission or their life purpose or what they want to be doing. And in fact, sometimes if we look too hard for that, it's more elusive than if we relax and figure out where do I find joy? You know, Where do I find my happiness and where do I find joy? And how can I put that in service to others? So for me, that was it. I remember years ago, because before I met you, I had done Anthony Robbins Mastery University. And I did that with him in Boca Raton, Florida, in some fascinating places, lots of different places, Aspen, Colorado, and all around. And, And I remember a process that he had at a an event called Date with Destiny, which truly changed my life, we were to figure out our mission statement for ourselves personally. And I have a mission statement for Touched by a Horse for my corporation, but it's been a long time since I thought about the one for me personally. So lately, I've been taking more risk and being more vulnerable with my following and people that listen to me or care about what I'm saying. And so I've been sharing my personal one, which I've never shared before, but it reads, My life purpose is to serve those seeking growth and healing while enjoying the process in joy and ease. That's my joy and ease, not always my client. I choose to do so in the spirit of love and gratitude for myself and others. So that truly has been my mission. It's really been my calling. It's been what I've done to work with people through Gestalt to increase their awareness of self and to increase their cleaning up their unfinished business as we talked about in the second episode and to go through and live a life that is meaningful. So when I cross over to the other side of the veil, I'm leaving something behind that is truly worthwhile in a in a personal legacy, not financially, but a personal
2: legacy. So that's a big part for me. So as far as your <coughs> book, do you want to tell us some other things about your book maybe? Oh, or?
1: I know what you want me to tell everybody, you right. silly dog. So your passion was rugby. And you guys got to remember, we were in the dating phase when I wrote this book. So it was really fun. But your passion's been rugby. You played rugby for many years, just got in the Hall of Fame for his team with his team for rugby. And so one of the funny chapters or sweet chapters in the book, and you've been on my Arizona facility many, many times, but that lower back pasture that's kind of weighed down and back by the creek, that... Pasture used to house four big mules who belonged to Charles Schulz and his daughter Melanie. And they were big, beautiful mules. And Charles Schulz from the Peanuts cartoon, right? Right. The drawing of the Peanuts cartoon. And so she'd come out and they'd come out and see these mules. And the rest of the time, we were taking care of them and they were hilarious. They'd all bray at the same time and they'd run and they'd run into each other and they played rough, but they had a really great time. Actually, a drawing of those four mules that Jan did is in the deck. So the four mules is actually that, and the name of the card is camaraderie. And so I was thinking about you, and in thinking about you, thinking those silly mules are actually playing
2: rugby. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) In their own way. I had seen you guys play rugby, and it looked rough to me.
2: And I'm sure, well... You still haven't figured it out.
1: No, I haven't. Rugby makes no sense to me at all. It's fun, but it's rough. And so I thought those guys were definitely being pretty rough on each other and, and doing a lot of rugby moves, to be sure. So some of the book I pulled from card deck for sure. And and some of the book I pulled from really real life and different things that we were doing. And the Schultz family was really a blessing to us. We were really happy to have them there on our ranch.
2: Oh, I remember one of the stories was when we met this veterinarian from Sweden. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We were at the B&B. That's right. Right. Yeah, that that was a blessing in the book for sure. The book hadn't stalled out in any way, but like I said, I was really busy and I just couldn't get focus time on it. So I do remember that. That was really sweet. They were from Sweden and, and they were at the same B&B we were. And I don't remember remember why they were in town, do you? I'm not sure. I think maybe their son went to School of Mines or something. Yeah, I think that may have been it. Yeah. So really sweet couple. And we went down like you do in a BnB and b and Dane was getting ready to go off for the day and I was going to go right. But I will say that this guy became my muse for the next chapter of the book. And he was from Sweden and he happened to be an equine vet. Now, what are the odds, right? <laughs> this equine <laughs> veterinarians there. And we shared a lot. I shared about what I do, and then I shared my belief of horses, and I was writing this book, and he raised... Among being an equine vet, he raised Frisians. And I was ready for a Frisian in the book. So I felt like it was kind of meant to be. And so I wrote this fantastic chapter about the life calling and the life's work for this big, beautiful Frisian horse. And then I named the horse after that guy. So I'm glad you have such a good memory, Dane. Yeah, his
2: name was Albert.
1: Albert, right. Yeah. And I so I named the horse Albert in the book after the veterinarian. So, you know, he was a Frisian stallion and he he just was really an amazing horse in that realm was in there. And it was fantastic, you know, to see all of that. So that was fun. Bring back a lot of memories. The book itself has always done well. On the back, it says, Why are you here? What were you born to do? And how do you discover it? On one of her morning rides, this little girl meets the goddess of all horses, Epona, and she's offered a chance to go figure that question out for horses. But of course, it's a parable. We're all trying to figure those things out. And I know one of the things that people have written to me about this book that they appreciate is for me, I'm lucky. My life purpose and my life mission are also my career and how I make my income in the world. But for me personally, I don't believe that your life purpose or your life mission is necessarily what you do for a living. It's great if what you do for a living brings you a good income and you're happy doing it and all that. But I do believe there are people in those kind of jobs, the JOB that brings money in the door so that they can live and take care of their families. And then their life purpose is something quite different different that they do, not for their business or not for their money, right? But because it's who they are, and it's how they show up in the world. Like, you know, I think of you in this, Dane, because you've worked for all your career, really, for the federal government, at the Bureau of Reclamation, doing machinery work and all this stuff for the waters of the West. And it's very important work. I wouldn't call it your life purpose or your life calling. To me, a lot of your life purpose is you have a really good sense of humor and people can stand with you and feel so incredibly heard and seen and good in kind of a social way. And then the next thing I know, your big, boisterous laugh is coming out and they're laughing. So I think you just naturally lift people up.
2: Well, thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome.
1: Not always, by the way. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Not always, but most of the time, you definitely lift people up and have them feel differently and better about their life. So we love this book. If you're interested in it, of course, I have it in paperback through our store. And it's also on Amazon. And what isn't on Amazon these days, right? He laughs because I have Amazon boxes showing up here almost every day. I want to, while we're in a day of gratitude and everything else being Valentine's, I want to, again, thank our sponsor, Hope through horses. This is a tremendous group of people who value the work that I teach here. They value the fact that There are many people who need the work and need the healing and perhaps can't afford to pay for a full session. They need some scholarship or help to do that. They provide scholarships to our potential students in some cases where their needs assessment is there for them so they can get this training to get out in the world and become great coaches in our EGC method. So we thank Hope Through Horses. If you're interested, you can go to hopethroughhorses.com and they have have a way to learn all about their organization and who they are. And of course, like every nonprofit, any possible donation means a great deal to them. And it assists so many more people and horses than you can even put your brain around. You know, it's pretty amazing what they've created. And we're real happy to be beneficiary of their
2: hard work. So your book, You said through Amazon, or can you get it? You can get it through our store. You know, those those
1: those heavy boxes I make you carry around? A lot of those are books. (laughs) A lot of those are the books. You know, thank you for joining us. My next episode, Intention Anyway, for this podcast will be a topic near and dear to my heart. I bred horses for many years and birthing those little babies into the world and how to bring emotionally sound horses into the world. So that's our next chapter, at least right now. That's our intention. Thanks so much for joining us, everyone.
0: Have a blessed day.
1: See you
2: next time.
0: Thank you for listening to the Touched by a Horse podcast. If you'd like more information about anything we've talked about on the show today or our certification program, please visit our website at touchedbyahorse.com. That's touchedbyahorse.com. Or contact our office by phone at 303 440-7125. Also, be sure to keep up with us on social media. We're at Touched by a Horse on both Facebook and Instagram. See you around the barn and on the next episode.